This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. We spoke about maturity a couple of weeks ago and how you gauge it. And I feel like business travel is a good way to gauge grown-up maturity. So younger Peach, a few years ago during business travel, would take the view of, you know, if I had to business travel to some, you, you know, metropolis about the same size as Sydney or marginally smaller, am I right, competing Australian cities? <laughs> the view I would take is, well, of course, this shit city doesn't have anyone as great as me. And obviously, like, uh, you know, of all the lawyers that were in this city, none of them were as good as me. So you had to fly me in to go solve your problems. It's all right, Melbourne. Uh, I know you don't have me, so you got to fly me in. And so I took that sort of, you know, triumphant, excited, also sort of curious, you know, what coffee shops are here, what restaurants are here, what, what bars and pubs are here sort of approach. And I feel like that's the young person approach to business travel, if you're lucky enough. And Shag, you and I were speaking about a bit of business travel uh, off mic just a second ago that is slated for me this week where I have to travel to a different state in order to attend, you know, some reasonably important meetings where reasonably important things will be decided for my clients. And my overwhelming response to being required to go is a grumpy (laughs) disappointment with the cities I'm traveling to. So rather than arriving like a reigning champion from another city come to explain to everyone, I'm a like broken, distracted, old, wizened idiot who's like, ugh. Are you serious that there's no one in this fucking city who knows how to negotiate this stuff? <laughs> Ugh, I guess you've got to fly in me, the only brilliant, amazing person to come fly in from a different city uh, because you're too shit to handle it yourselves. Fuck you for needing me. Fuck you for making me get in a plane. That's basically my view. Peach, I love that you think that's a collective thought, which is that <laughs> the, the only way to gauge maturity is how people respond to you being the best lawyer in the world when you fly into their city, whether they're like, sick, here it comes, or whether they're like, oh, we need you, Peach. We can't do it without you. Like, but, but let's talk about maturity, right? Because mm. on last week's episode, mm. the most recent uh, edition of Two Spooko Didn't Watch, mm. catch up on it if you haven't. Yes, My do God, that. They're always great episodes. You spoke about how every week I go oh, this one's going to be an easy one, but it's not an easy one. And it's you hard, do. Right? That was a good comment from me. I'm pleased I said that. You do do that. It was a really good comment. What that what that sort of sparked inside me, though, mm. and, you know, especially after doing Titan the week before, mm. is that for you to become 
a true horror fan, which, mm. you know, is the point of this podcast, right? Like, yes, it's funny. Yes, it's a great chance for us to catch up. Yes, there are reviews that are like, la, la, la. Like, yes, you know, technically it's a comedic podcast. This is, first and foremost, an exposure therapy podcast, right? If this turned out to be like a meta project influencer podcast put on by the <laughs> horror film industry, <laughs> it would be a pretty good twist. Right, right. So, mm. so at, at the end of the day, it's for you to become a horror fan. And... Mm. For you to mature as a horror fan, mm. I think it's time for me to share uh-huh. some of the things I've discovered in my, you know, my fandom and my research of horror mm. that maybe take me to the edge of what is acceptable and what's good. I often talk about how there are a number of films that we will never go over the synopsis of in Spooko, and we won't do that. But what I want to do is, over the next couple of episodes... I want to take you through... I want to at least let you know that they exist. Mm. The 10 most disturbing films of all time. Okay, so first of all, we're not doing trailers. These films... I've only seen one of the ten. They're uh, too disturbing for the tra- for even the trailers. <laughs> straight up, they're, they're fil- like I said, they're films I know exist, and mm. part of me is like, I feel like you need to know exist. I, I don't necessarily think you need to see them, and we're not going to go through the whole synopsis. Even going through, I've been through the synopsises of all these, mm. and I'm going to spare these from you. Okay. I, I want to give a couple of warnings straight up, though. So first of all, even though we're just touching on these films, these are the worst of the worst. They're all films. They're not real. But even then, if you want to back out now, and, I mean, I guess I I am talking to you, Pete. I don't think I can back out, really. (laughs) (laughs) Because then we've got to record two more episodes. (laughs) I probably am pretty important. But, but, But if you who is not Peach, but you mm. listening would like mm. to back out now, do know that we're going to touch on some disturbing stuff. We're not going to yeah, go full don't on. don't leave me alone in here, anyone <laughs> listening. Fucking stay and then send me a note of support. The second warning I want to give is, mm. Peach, you understand how tough it is, you know, ranking the top 10 hip-hop records of all time, right? Oh, so you know that... Generally, number one will be Nas Illmatic. Yeah. Like, generally, people will be like, it's the greatest hip-hop record Name of all time. two songs from that album <laughs> that, you would, that, that you would play at a DJ set of any kind. I mean, there's you New York play State Zero. Yeah, I think you'd play Zero. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so mm. if, you know, like, uh, th- this is uh, an exposure therapy podcast, but if mm. you are a horror fan, you may potentially listen to this list and be like, where's, like, Shitty Mc... Like, Gorehound. Yeah, Salo. Where's Salo? <laughs> I mean, Salo's in here. Oh, Salo's in here. Okay, yeah, good, good. <laughs> but, but what I've done is I've, as a horror fan, I've spent a lot of weird YouTube whole nights and bored days at work researching the most disturbing films of all time. There's so many lists out there. What I've done is collated a chronological order of films that seem to occur the most on lists. And that's going from lists... From... This is Shag's list. So we're not reading some other idiot's list. This is the Shag Spooko list. But Sick. this is me. This is me coming from a data agency being like, I'm not going to just put my personal touch on it. This is what I've seen people believe collectively are the 10 most disturbing films 
in a chronological order. Because I think it's funny when people rank stuff. Because when you listen to some of these, it's like, how is this better or worse than it? This is, you know, this is this is as bad as things get. And then you hear the next one, and you're like, oh no, this is as bad as things get. And it goes on and on like that. So, so Peach, are you? Uh, uh, ha- like, how are you? Are you cool with this? Yeah, look, uh, I mean, if we take the analogy back to Nas, you know, hip-hop had existed for about eight years when Elmatic came out. And everyone's like, oh, this is the best. <laughs> and hip-hop's existed for about another 30 years, about another 27 years since that album now. And everyone's like, well, eight years was the peak, and everything after that, probably not quite as good. Peach, can I ask, are there any Drake albums you think aren't as good as Elmatic? <laughs> like maybe the latest one certified lover boy is not yeah. very good look even the rick ross even coming back to do um yolo part two uh, you know i really love that track <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not <sighs> all right okay all right fun out of the way mm. this yeah, list time for homework now we've had our we've had our playtime this list is truly international. This is what I think is interesting. We go from Spain to Italy, Italy to Japan to Serbia to oh. the UK to Germany. Actually, maybe not the UK, but to Germany. I'm so xenophobic, right? And I don't know if this is just general societal xenophobia that I feel like films made in different countries are somehow scarier. I'm like, oh, not Serbia. Are you serious? That's going to be the scariest ever. And I presume that's just profound xenophobia that's been ground into me by... I think it's a level of xenophobia. I think it's also a level of privilege, accepting the fact that we live in a very, very safe country. Mm. Like, you know, for who we are, if we were someone else, we wouldn't be as safe. But generally, right across the board, we live in a very safe country. A lot of countries in the world aren't like that. So when you hear films coming from that, you think it's going to reflect that. And so... Maybe it's xenophobia. I actually think it's your your awareness of privilege sort of ringing alarm bells. Let's do it. Let's ring them. Anyway, okay. So let's start. And we go we go right from 1929 right to 2017. I love This is a massive list. Yes. This is a massive list, right? Okay, so we're starting with a film from 1929 that was actually suggested by someone listening and contacting us on Insta. I can't like... I tried to find the message... This isn't like a humble brag being like, we have so many messages, it's hard to find it. I just, I just couldn't I went find through it. Hundreds in the sh- of messages. <laughs> I just couldn't find the message in the short time I had. I'd love you to uh, like let us know, you know, after this episode airs so we can give you a shout and out. And don't but- pretend it's you. Like, we get a lot of DMs, okay? So don't DM us being like it was me. It, only DM us if it really was you. But this is hmm. this is a film that I think will appeal to you, at least for the fact that. When we talk about short films, this film is 21 minutes long. Oof, that really does appeal to me, actually. <laughs> Imagine watching that also, at double speed. You'd be out. You'd, it's like a bluey episode. <laughs> you'd be gone. So, 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 so. Mm. What I also think is funny about every single one of these films mm. is I haven't, I've only seen one of them. Well, in fact, I've seen this film as well. So mm. I've seen two of them. But the rest of them, I've seen little parts of them literally just by Googling them and following a few shady links. Every single one of these films, even the ones that are banned, in fact, the ones that are banned in Australia, I haven't seen, but even like every single one of these films are very easy to watch online, which I think is kind of crazy. It is weird, but it also like reveals how hugely unpopular they are, that like no studio cares about protecting their IP, and then they're like, yeah, whatever, like someone can watch them. 
And a lot of these films, they're trying to say very deep things, but they don't reach their audience because they're so fucked. <laughs> and it's like they just shoot themselves in the foot. It's so dark. Anyway, all right, so let's start with this. 1929, this is part of the, you know, surrealist slash Dada movement, yeah. two different things. You, you've heard of this film. This is a film everyone's heard of, but it does show up in lists all the time. What, for Metropolis? One Isn't that the only one I no, know from No, no, Peach, I'm not going to put fucking Metropolis in here. So, no, this film is called Unshun Ondalu. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's a Spanish short film, and it famously starts with a man slicing an eyeball open and we see all the goo emerging. Look, I have actually sliced an eyeball open, but even just hearing that is upsetting. <laughs> and, and and look, that's the only thing. The rest of it is like your classic 1929 movie. Like, absolutely. Un- like, season one <laughs> Simpsons, it's absolutely unwatchable. <laughs> it's like, how would you even go about watching this film? Like, it's impossible to 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 take in you know, as a man living in 2021. Such a good point of the season one Simpsons. Remember how there was an episode where there was like, it was a war and it was like a water bomb fight against <laughs> the bully or something? Like, where does the storyline from that even, you know, how would someone under the age of 30 watching that episode even have any conception of what was going on? All right. Okay. So the next one we're going to talk about, we go mm. straight to 1975. And, you know, one of the reasons Should I Should I rank them? Why don't I just rank them? First okay. one gets... Four out of ten. Not very scary at all. So the next film mm. is a film that I guess has been a bit of a ghost in the background of this podcast the whole time. So I'm glad we're finally acknowledging it. Uh, Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> so from 1975, from Italian director Pier Paolo Pasolini, this is Salo or The 120 Days of Sodom. I reckon, you know, if... If you ranked all the lists, mm. this would generally come number one most times. Oh, God. I didn't know it was so old. I didn't know it was like 45 years old. Right. And again, it's it, it's beautifully shot. Like, you know, he, he was a well-respected director. Morricone does the soundtrack. Soundtrack's amazing. Yeah. I imagine from seeing the trailer and like certain <laughs> parts of it. What I think's interesting about this, this again, like, like I mentioned before, this is mm. a very long... Very awful film. It's 116 minutes, but it comes oh, with God. a three-hour making of documentary that you have to screen it with in Australia for it to be shown. Mm. Because it's seen as, you know, a work of art, but what it actually is is a, you know, a, a tale about four community leaders. Like, there's a bishop and a duke and a... Like, they're all given names like that. Uh. If I remember them correctly... They're four corrupt Italian sort of libertines. There's the Duke, the Bishop, the Magistrate, and the President. In the fictional uh, town of Salo during the fascist era of Italy. And basically, they kidnap a bunch of teenagers and they spend 120 days just subjecting them to horrible, violent, sexual, degrading torture and eventually just killing them. And... The point of the film uh, is fascism stinks. Like, is that the yeah. point? But 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 if you take it to a deeper level, and what mm. you'll see is a common theme across all of these films that are generally regarded as the most disturbing of all time. The main point is that humanity at its heart is evil. Like human like this is what I find. The thing that the thing that gets me, the thing that when I think about Salo and hurts me is the point of the film as I've as I've heard people describe it and you know critics describe it is you're not supposed to be shocked 
by the things that happen in it, you're supposed to feel empty. And it's supposed to make you feel empty because it's supposed to be about the inherent awfulness of humanity, which probably is proven by the fact that the director was murdered the same year in a horribly violent execution, like mafia-style execution, that remains unsolved to this day. Doesn't this, uh, doesn't this push back against your point that you just like to feel upset? <laughs> isn't this isn't this a good a good film to just make you feel bad? So or, think, or it's even worse than So this is this is interesting, yeah. right? So this entire list, the reason why I think it's interesting to share this list with you, but the reason why I'm not gonna go into the detail of these films is because I like to feel upset, but there are moments in every single synopsis of these films where I'm like, Oh, I wish I hadn't read that. Oh god. Like and and so, <laughs> can you give us a tease? Like, can you give us? Why don't you give us the worst one? How, how about I'm not going to give you the worst one. Like I, I told you before, there's a lot of sexual torture in this film, and I just, Ugh. I just don't like to talk about that on speaker. I don't think we need to. Yeah, but okay. why don't, why don't I read out to you the? <sighs> well, God, fuck! It's it's really hard to find a passage in here that I'm like. Oh, God, I don't even... Okay. Yeah, um, that one. Just do that one. Okay, all right. Oh, no, I'm not... Okay, no, I'm not going to read that. Okay, okay. Um. Okay, on another day, the victims are forced to get naked and act like dogs. When one of the <sighs> victims, Lamberto, refuses, the magistrate whips him and tortures the president's daughter by tricking her into a slice of cake containing nails. Ugh. And that's like a light moment in the, like that's the part of the synopsis where I'm like maybe that's okay reading that out to you. <laughs> anyway, so that's Salo. Now you know. Only an eight. Uh, eight and a half. Eight and a half. All right. You say only an eight. Like I sort of don't. I don't really know where the rest of these are going to land. <laughs> so, so you think I should give it a? Yeah, right. You want you want to be? <laughs> yeah. You don't want to go too hard. <laughs> I don't want to declare something illmatic back in 1975 and give the rap scene nowhere to go. Okay, so next up we go to 1980. What I think is interesting about a lot of these films mm. is they have an important place in cinematic history. You know, like, Salo is so well-revered. You know, even the fact that it's considered the most disturbing film of all time. This next one is the original found footage film. This is what's so crazy. Like, this was the first film to do found footage. Do you go and, and watch these with mates? Like, if Salo's so revered, like, you're like, hey, come around. I think Salo's we'll Salo, sort of, uh, I mean, what's interesting, like, I read a couple of reviews of Salo that's like, you know, here's this director trying to create this experience, that this searing portrayal of fascism and, like, you know, post-war Italy and the effects it, it'll have on people. But all it's going to be watched by are people searching out the most extreme cinema experiences, yeah. and potentially, such a good point. and potentially they'll be exposed to some really great themes, or they'll just be like, "How fucked was Salo? Have you seen Salo? You got to see Salo." So anyway, Ugh. we move to 1980, the original found footage film, Cannibal Holocaust. I don't know. Have you heard of this film? Uh, the title rings a bell. I don't know how I feel about. The, the term Holocaust being used in... Like, I mean, like, again, it's the 80s. Like, the 80s was the fucking Wild West. People did whatever the fuck they wanted. What, hijacking it from the experience of I, World well, War II? Well, I think, I, think, I, th I think Holocaust has earned its place as being only yeah, describing, yeah, you know, what happened in World War II. In World War II, yes. 
I think. Yes. Like I think. I don't think you can use that term willy-nilly. There's there's a few words in English where it's like I th- I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people now, especially in Australia, because we have it so safe. Their mm. whole point is like I should be free to do whatever the fuck I want, including being able to say whatever the fuck I want. And I think there are some words that have such power in English yeah. that should should be revered and only used for a very specific. It's a good point, well, man, and potentially not used by by some people. Anyway, so. 1980 cannibal film. But what's interesting about it, mm. it was uh, created by, uh, you know, a, a famed director from the time, uh, R- Rogero Diodato. And one of the influences was there, was there was some sort of uprising. I think it was called the Red Uprising happening in Italy in the 1970s where I think they were, I don't know, some sort of hyper-nationalist sort of um, movement. Mm. And... This the, the the team that created it thought that potentially some of the, I guess some of the news stories about them had been staged, whether or not that was true or not. Oh, they thought yeah, that was yeah. a really interesting you know point for a film. So anyway, they create this film that's essentially about a team of documentary makers going to an untouched tribe in the Amazon to search for another team of documentary makers who went missing, discovering them all dead. But, but all of their tapes there. So they bring their tapes back and they discover that these documentary makers did some really fucked up things to these people in, in the name of trying to get a really good story, like to create a really like made up, like a, a crazy mm. documentary. Whereas like these people were just normal people, but they tried to turn it into like this crazy documentary about how, how savage these you know, natives are. Oh, and so God. anyway, so this tribe responded by killing this group. And so... Anyway, so the it's a film within a film, and the reason why this is generally considered one of the most disturbing of all time. Yes, there's some awful cannibal scenes. There's definitely again sexual violence in it. But what makes this film particularly awful is that there's real cruelty to animals. Now these aren't the only. This isn't the only oh film God. that has cruelty to animals, but it has a lot of scenes of this tribe, and they were they there were a couple of real tribes doing like butchering harvesting some animals and it's kind of it it's even like i've never seen this film i don't want to for that reason i never Mm -hmm. do but even knowing that that exists i think it's fucked but you know what i'm gonna read you the final that's not cannibalism that's the opposite of cannibalism (laughs) but that is the opposite of cannibalism but i also want to read for a little levity i want to read you the final line of this because it's actually kind of funny yeah um Disturbed by what they have seen in the tapes, the TV executives order the entire footage to be burned as Monroe leaves, pondering, who are the real cannibals? Because <laughs> <laughs> they've what cannibalised their fellow documentary makers' <laughs> tapes or something. <laughs> so that's three down, am I right? That's three down. That's three, three down. down. I give that... I, I give Cannibal Holocaust a 6.8. Yeah. Ooh, we're going into like hmm. like uh, decimal points. Yeah. Look, 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 got four. Cannibal Holocaust, 6.8. Uh, Sailor got, what did we decide? Nine. So. I'm eating beef jerky, drinking rashes. I'm having the best time. So, so we, got, we, we, got, we got two more before we can take a break. And we can take so, a breather. Um. This is not and, human jerky. This really is basically. <laughs> but okay, so so next, and this is like, 
I don't understand. Like, these are the films where I'm like, I actually don't understand these exist. But these are the ones that I have heard of. Like, th- this is like... Um, Faces of Death. These are the these are the films you hear about, like muttered by people. These are the films that are actually banned in so many different countries. There's a series of films uh, from Japan from a director called Hideshi Hino mm. called the Guinea Pig series. There's six of them, and the second one, Flower of Flesh and Blood, generally shows up on every single one of these lists. It's a 42 minute film. Uh, yes, amazing length. But it, it, it stars a man who is dressed up as a samurai. He kidnaps a woman and he takes her home and dismembers her and that's the end of the film. Like, literally, that's the film, right? And what's crazy about this film is that sometime in... I, can't, I think it was in the late 90s, maybe, or maybe the mid-90s, Charlie Sheen found it and... Like I like I know we shit on Charlie Sheen and with good per- like he seems like a terrible person. Mm. He came across a copy of this film, thought it was a snuff film, and reported it to the FBI to the point where the FBI then had to investigate it and they had to prove that it wasn't real by showing how they did the effects. That's uh, one of the more bizarre stories that have been told on this podcast. <laughs> is that not weird? Detective insane? Charlie Sheen <laughs> <laughs> comes across a mystery. Did the FBI needed to solve? Okay, so seven point three. Finally, mm. that's a jerky. So we're in 1987. There's mm. a common theme in in a lot of these films is mm. not just. No, like often they're saying something about about humanity. It's like humanity at its core is fucked. But often it's about either the censorship or the the stale nature of art in the era, uh, in the place yeah. in the era, right? Sounds like Driller Killer. Yeah, boo, boo, boo. Now, now, when did the Berlin Wall come down? 89. Okay, so this is, this is a 1987 West German horror exploitation film oh god okay again this is something you can literally like uh, like i haven't and i won't like this is a film i don't want to watch have you heard of this film though because i've heard about like since i've been interested in horror films this is again a, a one that gets whispered about called necromantic have you heard of this film i think you've told me about this film oh <laughs> so, uh, i think they have sex with heaps of like blood and skeletons and stuff around the place basically this film is um. a about a guy who works for a cleaning company that cleans up after death scenes and he and his girlfriend have a fetish for corpses and they just they 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 they, they, they do stuff with corpses and then later on they break up and he gets depressed and then he has heaps of you know what I'm just going to read out a dream sequence there's a lot of dream sequences in this oh, okay all right so Rob then enters a daydream of a young rabbit being caught on a farm and killed. It is implied that these are the memories of his father killing a beloved childhood pet. A scene of an autopsy on a human cadaver follows. Next, a man drinking beer and shooting at birds with his rifle accidentally kills a nearby gardener, then discards the corpse. There's also a lot, like, pretty much in all of these films, we, we talk about generational abuse. Like, it's interesting that the themes that people keep coming back to and the themes that truly shock us 
Mm. Uh, humans are fucked. Humans at a grand scale and things like fascism and things are fucked. Mm. And abuse begets abuse. And often, like, the thing that creeps people out the most is when we go, these people aren't evil for the sake of it. They're evil because evil is essentially... It's human. endemic in the cycle mm. of human nature. Shag, I hated that one. Especially the daydream. What was it even about? That strikes me as a huge non-secretor that would just piss me off. Um, 5.5. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Let's take a break. Yep. And then next week, let's... Take, let's, let's go bring it through. up to date. Yeah, all right, yeah. We'll, we'll go from 2001 all the way to 2017. Ugh, I can't wait. Hopefully we can climb up the rankings. It's going to be good. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?